Tennessee, the Boy. volunteer state. Make sure you go to our website, musicbiz101wp.com. Sign up for that newsletter. You need to sign up for our newsletter. Follow us on the Instagram, the Twitter, the Facebook, at musicbiz101wp. And of course, we have a podcast, which many of you are listening to right now, mm-hmm. and you found it at iTunes or SoundCloud, Music Biz, Ampersand, 101, no, Music Biz 101, <laughs> Ampersand, more, Music Biz 101 and more. I'm your professor, David Kirk Philp. Who are you? I am Stephen Marconi. Dr. Esteban. Yes. And so as you listen, you'll hear a student. You're going to hear a great, great person. But this was a summer class because of William Patterson, the university. So we want to thank Ashley Weltner, who's been our engineer for all of our radio shows over the past year. And she hooked us up with this tremendous technique of recording that we're doing right now. And we should give thanks. So we put our uh, hands together, legs together, eyes closed, heads down. Thanks to the folks at Van Dyne Bruno, Inc., and White Hat Management with artists like Charlie Puth, Dave Matthews, and Kith. There's only one place to go for your band's business management. Go to VB CPA.com when you are ready. And we should all give thanks to Christine Vey. Oi, a wealth manager and the president of <laughs> Oi Vey Management. <laughs> Oi Vey Wealth Management. Christine has helped many of our professionals at William Patterson University to manage their investments and plan out for their retirement. If you're looking for some guidance on how to plan for your retirement, or if you have any questions on anything from investments and portfolio management to insurance retirement planning, give Christine a call at, repeat after me, 732. 732. 455. 455. 1510. 1510. You can also email her, Christine at Oi. They wealth. <laughs> Dot com. And take the last oi off for savings. That's right. Many shout-outs to many different people, but don't forget Managing Your Band's 6th edition. By the time you hear this, it has been out for a year, but like fine wine, it's aging beautifully. Mm-hmm. It's a book. It's in color. It's got glossy pages. And only a few mistakes. Very few mistakes. <laughs> so you're going to love it. And always contact, contact us. Again, go to musicbiz101wp.com, and that's where you can find everything out. Again, big thanks to the Music Biz Association for having us here. Yes. And now on to La Interview. Mm. All right. Here we are, are. Music Biz 101. Yeah. More. I'm your professor, David Kirk Phil. Yeah, again. Uh, so that's Professor... Uh, David Kirkfield, yes, sidekick. Yes, Stavon Marconi. And we're here today with Daryl Ballantyne, uh-huh. Ballantyne Beer. And, <laughs> oh, uh, I wish. Uh, yeah, no, from uh, Lyric Find. And he's from Canada, so we're going to get him to say a boot, an oot, <laughs> and everything uh, Canadian a? possible. A. I used to live in, uh, in L.A., and every time we went out, my roommate would say to people, say out and about, say out and about, <laughs> to say in front of everybody. Right. So, uh, so we'll end that joke quickly. And then um, we're also here with Faith Boonstra. Hello. Hello. Not from Canada, no. but uh, Faith is the one who corralled Daryl to be here for this uh, <laughs> hard-hitting, deep 
interview, we're going to try and find out what Daryl's been hiding all these years in this interview, and then we'll provide it all to the Mueller investigation. So uh, without further ado, why don't you explain briefly what Lyric Find is, Faith, and then start with the third degree. All right. Well, Lyric Find, it is a service for like synchronizing, licensing, um, and searching all for lyrics. It's if you have copyrighted lyrics, you send it in, or if you have like lyrics to your favorite song, you send it in, and they put it in the database. Is that pretty much it? Pretty much, yeah. And we'll aggregate all the the rights and content for the use, and then power all sorts of services out there. Whether it's someone like Pandora or Amazon or, or Google or SoundHound or many many others, mm -hmm. so that they can use lyrics in their application. Yeah, and it's like, how did this all like, really like come about? Because it's like lyrics. It's like for most music listeners, it's like those are the parts that you love to hear. Yeah, it, it all started uh, many, many years ago uh, when we tried to uh, find some lyric, lyrics online. Uh, when I was in university, actually, living across the hall from me was one of my co-founders, Chris Book, and he was trying to uh, figure out the name of a song just based on the lyrics that were in his head, and I was that guy in university that could always name that tune. Uh, but in this case, I actually didn't know what it was, so I failed. Uh, and he went off and tried to figure out what it was uh, based on searching online. And this was uh, this was March of 2000, so it was when the dot-com boom was really blowing up. And he came back and he said, all these lyric sites out there suck. Uh, none of them let you search by lyrics. Let's start our own. We said, okay. Uh, and we did. <laughs> Uh, quickly realized that we needed to have licensing and then quickly realized after a while there what a mess music licensing especially on the publishing side was uh, and shut that down uh, but ended up coming back to it in 2004 when Microsoft was launching the MSN Music Store and they wanted to have lyric functionality in there and they found our old website that had no lyrics on it but it did have my cell phone number and uh, called and said, hey, you know, we're doing this and we want to have lyrics involved. Can you license that? I said, well, no, but let me make some calls. Uh, and that led to us relaunching Lyric Find as a licensing aggregator. Uh, and the industry had matured a little bit more and everybody was embracing digital music and we were able to get licensing deals done with the music publishers and Harry Fox Agency and a ton of others to be able to aggregate and license the content and generate a bunch of royalties for them that they were not getting any of before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as like most of the services, it's like four lyrics, and it's only the copyrighted lyrics that you found. That works the best. Well, well any lyrics uh, are welcome into our system. Any independent artist can come and reach out to us and 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 register their content, provide the lyrics, or they can go through our aggregation partners like HFA uh, and others to send them uh, them to us. Uh, so we'll put anything in the database as long as it's quality controlled to make sure that it's accurate and, and there's nothing offensive in there. Uh, but the, obviously the ones that perform best are the larger hits and royalties are paid out based on usage from us. So. It, even if your content is licensed to us and in the database, if it's never viewed, then we aren't paying any royalties on it, uh, but you can end up having secondary benefits as well. Uh, so it, it really is 
all very egalitarian. It's based, based on how much it's used and that dictates uh, how much uh, a copyright holder is, is paid. Have you found like a spot where lyrics are used more than like other places? Uh, depending on the genre, people tend to look up lyrics more. Um, hip hop, for example, skews more uh, towards lyric usage. Uh, obviously, lyrics are generally more important in rap and hip hop. Uh, uh, they generally get into deeper subject matter than you know a random pop song, for for example. Uh, so we we see a little bit of a, a of a trend toward that, and we also. Uh, we have charts that we generate based on trending lyrics. So mm-hmm. you'll, we have a U.S. and a global chart in, in Billboard every week. Um, and then we have partners in, uh, in France and the U.K. and uh, Australia as well that publish local charts there. Are those strictly based on search results? or It's, it's based on trending lyric views. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it looks at the changes between, from one week to the next. So it ends up being really, really interesting data. Uh, mm-hmm. That was something that Will Mills, our chief revenue officer, uh, pushed for. And I kind of thought, well, it'll be interesting, but how interesting can it be? It turns out <laughs> it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time an artist dies, their stuff goes up to the top of the, the charts. Every time there's seasonal things, that stuff really trends. And, and it actually has an amazing view of what the subject of the moment is and what the the, uh, the heartbeat of the industry is at that time uh, based on you know, season, who's in the news, what's going on and, and all that. So it's mm-hmm. actually a really interesting chart to see. We kind of thought originally it would be just similar to the Billboard Hot 100, but it's dramatically different. Yeah. Do you clear samples? No, we don't use the audio at all. Okay. Uh, we strict- Just the strictly the yeah. uh, written so- word. We deal exclusively with publishers and, and publishing societies. So uh, the fun part of our part is that we, we never actually really deal with the labels. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, publishing is, is enough for us. Uh, so we stay away from the master recording or uh, things of, of that nature. So mm-hmm. if you're a publisher, you're actually helping fill in some of the gaps with the loss of income from physical product as a, as a publisher you're an additional revenue stream that wasn't there when physical product was right. still more, I mean, you, you were starting, but um, you're a bigger piece of, and more yeah, part of the pie because that other piece is almost gone. We didn't really pay meaningful amounts of royalties for the first however many years we, sure. were, we were around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but certainly now it, it's a big revenue stream for them. Uh, lyrics licensing is paying out millions and millions of dollars a year to publishers. So it is a nice, nice chunk that uh, helps to close that gap and as digital gets bigger and bigger and uh, there's more and more consumption through digital s- services there's more and more mm-hmm. consumption of lyrics as well then so the value of lyrics licensing continues to go up does a publisher give you a blanket license for everything in their catalog or some yeah. or sometimes mm-hmm. they carve out a few yeah generally we work off of blanket catalog licenses right. uh, and then occasionally there are publishers that have exceptions uh, but those are few and far between. Have there been yeah. any, any artists that you're like, oh, I would love to get um, Gar- Kenny Loggins or whatever? Garth Brooks. Okay, Garth, Garth who's an- has been very anti-digital anyway. Garth doesn't license his, his lyrics. Um, I don't even think we have the Chris Gaines stuff. <laughs> uh, it's, right, right. Uh, it doesn't really make any sense because there are lyric sites 
that are out there that are using it. Uh, part of the feedback that we heard was that he didn't want to license it because the, the content out there wasn't accurate. But if we have a license, we override that content with our version of the lyrics and we have a content team that sits with headphones on and types everything out to make sure that it's accurate. So we can solve that problem and pay him at the same time. But we just haven't been able to get him over the fence. Have you ever met with his team? And Not me personally, but our, our, Your people have. our people have. Yeah, they've, they've talked to them. So that's one of the, the notable exceptions where we just kind of hit a wall. There are certain artists like uh, this year, uh, Bob Seger finally allowed his stuff to go on streaming services like Spotify, mm -hmm. for example. And he's like a Garth Brooks type of guy who just held out, held out. And I think for certain artists, like maybe the Beatles to hold out for a few years made sense. But now we're so deep into it to hold out. Now you're, it's definitely to your detriment, I believe. Yeah, I don't think that there's any benefit anymore to, hold, no, yeah. to holding out. Like nobody's making a big splash with, you know, now we have Bob Seger. Bob Seger is great. But all the services have hit a critical mass of having basically everything. So there aren't any of those glaring omissions like the Beatles anymore. Mm -hmm. right? It's okay, you've got a little bit that's missing here and you've got a little bit that's missing there, but it doesn't really hurt the overall experience that much. Mm -hmm. And that's the same with us. We have licensing for essentially everything, but we have a few uh, little gaps, but none of our None of our clients are coming and saying, well, we're, we're really upset that you don't have Garth Brooks. Uh, it's, it's not a big enough gap that exists anymore to create any sort of leverage or mm -hmm. cause, cause mm -hmm. any issues. So it, it really is just lost income to mm -hmm. everybody that's holding out at this point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I know definitely lost income not good but I also know you have partners like all over the world you mentioned it is there really any different rules that you have to follow for those for, countries? for sure there's different licensing rules in in different countries we work in different ways uh, in some countries we work through the society uh, so for instance in Australia we do essentially all of our licensing through APRA AMCOS what's that there it's uh, it's a publishing society mm -hmm. there uh, and they, so they represent Australia, New Zealand, and Fiji. Mm -hmm. uh, Are they like the National Association of Music Publishers here, or they're, they're not a trade group, really? They're, yeah, they're closer to uh, an HFA. Okay. Okay. Uh, in than, Australia. In, in Australia. So it's Australia. You said Australia, New Zealand, and Fiji. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then in Japan, Japan is a very uh, different animal. Uh, everything there runs through JazzRack. Uh, the local society there, even international rights. Uh, and they have a very strict mandate about what they can and can't do. So some of the things we want to do, uh, they can't do. And then we have to we have to do a deal with them to get the domestic rights. Once we've done that, then the local publishers will ideally do a deal with us for the incremental rights within the territory that we want, plus the rights for their content for the rest of the world. Uh, but it's a very you know, relationship and politics driven uh, type of industry mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. So it, it's certainly different. Um, other countries, there's issues with uh, language and uh, censorship. And yeah. uh, other, there are countries where it's almost impossible to license anything uh, because there's nobody that either knows who owns things or represents 
uh, ownership. So yeah, it's it's different all over the world, and it's it's a gigantic mess. Dang. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and let's go into your other brainchild, Lyric Merch. <laughs> yeah, Lyric Merch. So we we launched Lyric Merch in November, and that was one of those things where uh, we kind of thought. Uh, that this would be a cool thing to do years ago, but didn't really have a way to add ourselves into the value chain. Traditionally, uh, when a publisher was licensing merchandise with lyrics on it, they were licensing uh, a brand or a store to print up a thousand t-shirts and they were paid you know, $2 a t-shirt and mm -hmm. they took the check and off they went uh, and that was it. Uh, and we didn't really have a way that we could add value to that that transaction. Then when Will joined us a few years ago, he kind of brought the idea back up and we looked at it and went, well, on-demand printing has really grown and technology to integrate with on-demand printing ha has really grown. So now we can flip the model around and actually provide value and provide additional value to uh, publishers over what they're seeing uh, through the traditional model. So we launched Lyric Merch, and what Lyric Merch is is on-demand licensed Lyric merchandise. Mm. So you can pick any line from any song and get that custom printed onto a t-shirt, a coffee mug, a phone case, mm. even a shower curtain if you want to have the whole lyrics on a shower curtain so you don't forget them when you're singing in the shower. Mm. <laughs> uh, we, can, we can do that. Uh, and we have close to 200,000 songs cleared for for that. And through that process, instead of it being a thousand of the exact same t-shirt, it's a thousand different t-shirts once each time. Uh, mm. And everything is printed on demand and, sh and shipped to the consumer. And we have, we have pre-made designs in there or you can design your own. Uh, but through that model and because it's all on demand, we're able to pay the publishers a lot more than what they would have received through that traditional model on a per unit basis mm -hmm. and give fans the ability to get exactly uh, the the product and the line that they want mm -hmm. instead of it just being the chorus that is it's going to be on every mass printed t-shirt for a particular song yeah. you can have that line that is really meaningful to you uh, or to uh, your group I mean, think about a bachelor party or a bachelorette party or, or yeah. uh, a graduation or things like that where you have a, a group that there's something that's meaningful for you that isn't necessarily what is the mass market appeal line. Mm -hmm. So it's basically uh, for the consumer, they can do a one-off and for the publisher, basically it's a blanket license that you're getting from the publishers that don't have to worry about per unit um, piece of a per unit sale. Yeah, so from the publishers we're getting, depending on, on the deal, they're either giving us a catalog wide blanket or right. it's a track by track approval, depending on what their writer deals mm -hmm. deals are, mm -hmm. but then they're paid uh, on, a, on a per unit basis based on what sells and what people uh. design uh, and, and order. Uh, similar to the tr our, our traditional lyric licensing model where if it doesn't get viewed, you don't get paid. If nobody orders a, uh, a shirt or a mug with, or whatever with that right. particular lyric, they don't get paid. Okay. Uh, but when somebody does order it, they're paid significantly more than what they would mm -hmm. have, have gotten on mm -hmm. a traditional deal. 
and they don't have to do anything to it. It just with it, it just flows with our existing royalties, right? Uh, and it's all automated for them. So, do you take care in the merch business? You take care of the actual manufacturing. We have we have fulfillment partners. Okay. Uh, right now, we're live in uh, U.S. and Canada, so we have different facilities in both mm-hmm. countries, so that we can, in most cases, uh, manufacture and ship locally. Uh, right. And then we'll be rolling out in uh, UK and Europe, uh, hopefully later this year, uh, and continuing to expand across there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if I want to, I'm, I'm looking now at a shower curtain, and if I wanted to do In My Life by the Beatles, yep. do I have to do the whole song, I, or I can no, pick you can, certain lyrics? You can pick uh, as much or as little uh, as you want, uh, as long as the system will stop you from picking partial words, so that you mm-hmm. can't like create a word although you know if if you want to go through that much trouble all the power to you uh but uh you can you can pick a line from the beginning and a line from an end and have nothing in between mm-hmm. and move it around or you can pick the whole song or just uh, a little bit of it and uh, just completely customize it to exactly the parts that you want and, and again to reiterate what you were saying so i'm the publisher of a song and um, I gave you this blanket, right? So if uh, somebody puts lyrics to a song, whether it's the full lyrics or just a portion, they put it on the shower curtain. Um, I'm earning. More, am I earning more from a shower curtain versus a mug? Yes. Okay. And the more lyrics that are on there, am I earning more than? No. It's if okay. it, if it's so. In the case of uh, of in my life, it's right. it's it's the Beatles. It's Sony ATV that uh, that owns that. Uh, regardless of whether you use one word or the whole lyrics it's a beatles in my life shower curtain uh so the royalty is the, is the same mm-hmm. uh but based on the the different products each product has its own uh licensee royalty rate depending on mm-hmm. what the sale price is so obviously there's a bigger margin on things like uh a hoodie or uh, a shower curtain so then the publishers earn more off of that something like a mug or a phone case where it's uh, it's a lower margin they'll they'll earn less. Mm-hmm. What about trademark implications? Because for example, I know um, uh, Taylor Swift has done a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Like she's gone to Etsy. You know, people yeah. who are taking um, haters. That's not haters, bad. Something for, shake it off. Mm-hmm. I mean, shake it off was big when 1989 came out. Yeah, she like, charged it trademark 1989. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, will you run into if you put an in my life shower curtain? Can you? Can somebody then try and trademark that? I mean, I don't think I mean, you could trademark. Well, I mean, I guess if you can trademark 1989, you can trademark anything. Right. Uh, but in our cases, we're covered by our license from the publisher so to matter. use the yeah. lyrics. So it, it doesn't matter too much to us. Now, if somebody constructed something uh, that uh, maybe it said, like, I'm loving it, and it would make, and they made that that line was in a lyric somewhere and you put a t-shirt with just I'm loving it on it and then maybe McDonald's would have uh, an issue with that it would be an interesting situation I mean I would take the view that we're you're covered covered under our license to use those lyrics but you could see that potentially there would be uh, a possibility of confusion Mm -hmm. yeah then there would Cease and desist for a while with it. Have you run into any of that confusion yet or not yet? No, not at all. Uh, 
you know, everybody in the industry has been uh, quite happy with the the lyric merch rollout and and uh, and it being there. And you talk about Etsy, uh, it's one of those places where we hear over and over from publishers that they're playing whack-a-mole, taking down all of this unauthorized lyric stuff. The irony of that, of course, is that we're trying to list the lyric merch products on Etsy. Mm-hmm. And yesterday, we're in the process of setting that up. Yesterday, they completely suspended our account and and deactivated everything before we'd even listed anything. We think because they looked at it and thought that we would be infringing. Right, right. <laughs> so we're trying to get a hold of somebody at Etsy right, right now to say, no, 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 we're... We're the legitimate ones. We're actually the licensed <laughs> yeah. ones. We're the ones that you want to be on there. Right. But it, it, it does... It, it does reassure me that they're taking that type of action, assuming that that's the reason why. Uh, and obviously, we'll, we'll get it resolved and fixed. Uh, but it, it's reassuring to see that they're taking action against infringement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or it could just be an anti-Canadian thing. Could be. Could be. <laughs> yeah. Or actually, we we <laughs> part of our dev team for Lyric Merch is based in Vietnam. So we kept getting all these, somebody's logged into your account from Vietnam emails right. from them. If it's you, just ignore this. So it's probably a combination of the fact the licensing and all the Vietnam log logins that they probably think we're a Vietnamese knockoff company that has no licensing whatsoever. So it's understandable that they would do what they did. We just have to get get them the Mm -hmm. right information to Mm -hmm. reactivate it. Interestingly, I was looking at, you have listed the people who work for your company and it's extremely diverse. You know, between men and sure. women and people of color, plus a lot of people who speak different languages because they're the ones who yeah. are doing the translations yeah. and all that. Yeah, it's our our office is incredibly diverse. When the World Cup starts soon, um, mm-hmm. the whole place shuts down. Um, mm-hmm. We have you know last World Cup with we have a, a lot of Brazilians that work for us as well. That was it was a depressing time for for them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we have many many different languages. We have lots. I think. The majority of the company was uh, not born in Canada. Uh, we have a lot of uh, of immigrants that that are working for us. A lot of uh, long term. My co-founder is uh, he was born in Canada, uh, but uh, his parents are Moroccan, uh, and so we've. I mean, partly because it's we're we're Canadian. It's kind of like we don't think about it as much. I think as as you guys do here, uh, but we look at the diversity of the company as a, a massive benefit for us, especially when we're trying to deal globally. When we have, when we're working with Japan, we have Japanese people on staff in Toronto that can then help us in those conversations to mm-hmm. make things go smooth. We have people that speak five or six languages on, on staff. Uh, and there's so much experience and so much world knowledge uh, contained within the the staff that it's it's a massive benefit to us mm-hmm. final question Faith. <clears throat> I, I actually want to burst it out about something else just because i am like studying japan and i'm actually going to be going back there in uh, two weeks nice <laughs> so i guess it's like in terms of like world things um is there anything like you see doing as well like expanding more yeah i mean if you look at the global market one of the big things that we're that we're doing that we're going to be launching uh very soon is translations uh so we're working on translating 
uh, a big chunk of our, our database into 15 different languages uh, so that you can understand the world's music and understand the cultures behind uh, the music. And if you think about the number of songs that you've seen in recent history that have been non-English and, and uh, had a big global following, whether that's something like Despacito uh, or you know, all the other ones that have been, been out there, Gangnam Style, mm -hmm. for example, a lot of us have no idea what those songs are about. It, they're catchy because of the music, but we don't understand what's behind the song, what the mm -hmm. song, song is about. And the more you are exposed to that and understanding the world's music, the more you can connect uh, to that music and that culture. Uh, so opening that up and, and allowing everybody else to understand uh, that music is a, is a big project of ours and bringing, bringing the world together through that. Uh, and we kind of, here in North America, we don't think about it as much. Uh, the vast majority of the world's popular music is in English. Mm -hmm. So if, if we're in Canada or the US, it's just normal to us. Uh, but if you're in a different part of the world and the vast majority of the world's popular music is not in your language, you're not understanding that. You're not connecting with that music. And you're not really given an opportunity to enjoy that music as much as everybody else. But if you can connect with, with the lyrics, understand what the song is about, then not only does it give English music a much broader audience across the world of people that can then enjoy it, but it does the same the opposite direction. It helps to have more Despacitos and more Gangnam Styles yeah. uh, that can break here and, and become much larger and create a global music industry and a global music culture. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Nice. We, we have to be less snobbish, <laughs> Americans and Canadians too, because we won't, for, before Despacito, we, we, didn't, we wouldn't listen to it. Yeah. I mean, that's it. You know, in, in a Vida Loca was, I mean, basically English. You yeah. Know, I mean, you can figure out what that means and so on. But I've, uh, I teach rock music and so on. And one of the topics of that is diversity. And we talk about that all the time, that um, when are we going to drop this and be uh, at least open, mm -hmm. especially Hispanic music? You know, Latino music is so, it's the biggest... It's great. You know, it's the yeah. strongest uh, growth right now is yeah. in Latino music, uh, so it's got to happen. I mean, you know. Yeah, I think the entire entertainment industry as a whole is very, like, insular when it comes to language. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Whether that it's not just music; it's also film and TV. Sure. Uh, I mean, I, I can't even think of the last time I watched a foreign language film. Yeah, uh, people hate but those we should. subtitles. Yeah, you know, and you get used to the subtitle as you watch the yeah, movie. Yeah, right away. You get, you get used yeah. to it pretty quickly. I'm also guilty of like, even if it's in English and there's a subtitle there, my eyes just go to the subtitle and I end up reading. I'm like, why? Why? I don't need to. <laughs> yeah, like, right. I, I, I understand what you're saying, it takes, <laughs> but it's just yeah. it takes a while. Reflex. To, yeah, but the, all the novellas, for instance, from Latino television, and we don't. I mean, they're all over the place. They're on two channels. In New York all the time, and we don't even watch them. Yeah, you know, and they're huge. You know, those those um, from Brazil and so on. It's 
extremely you know, big. Yeah, but you're right. And you know, despite recent political trends, the global trend is being connected and being yeah. and having more movement of people and cultures between countries. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be more and more diversity within each each country, and more and more demand for. Uh, non-English content within the U.S., within Canada, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and vice versa around the world. So mm-hmm. it certainly behooves all of us to to cater to that mm-hmm. and make it available and ideally grow the industry in the process. Mm-hmm. It behooves us to stop talking now. So let's wrap it up. Daryl Valentine, Lyric Fine. Thank you very much. And LyricMerch.com. Yeah. Thank you, Daryl, very much for being on Music Biz 101 and more. Thanks for having me. It was great. All right. Yeah. And Faith Brewster, thank you. Yeah. So thank you, Dr. Esteban. And my co. I'm his co. <laughs> and at the end of every show, we don't say hello. Instead, at the end of every show, you know what we say, and it's a different language. Thanks to Despacito. You know what we say? Au revoir. Close. <laughs> Adios. <laughs> Say, Dave, what do Paul Sinclair from Atlantic, Tom Hefter from Ticketmaster, Rosie Lopez from Tommy Boy, and Heather Ellis from Pandora all have in common? They're all bigwigs in the music and entertainment industry, Esteban. And? They all hate warm beer. And? They've all been guests on the Music Biz 101 and More radio show at 8 o'clock on Wednesday nights. Bingo. If you want to learn more about the music and entertainment biz, tweet in a question and tune in every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock to Music Music Biz 101 101 and More on Brave New Radio. Radio.